we need to look at the temple as a classroom. It is a classroom, and he's going to teach us. The problem is we struggle to learn the language. Some people just feel the temple instead of learn from the temple because they don't understand the language. So we compared the temple, the symbolism of the temple, to kind of like the symbolism of Isaiah. And if you read through the Book of Mormon, there's some wonderful little hints on how to get more out of Isaiah. So we boiled, there's a lot that could be said, but we boiled it down to three. You want to get more out of symbolism, you have to learn to see. Don't just walk by it. See it. And then liken. Apply it. But if you can't make that connection, you may need to dig a little bit. When you go to the temple, what gets held up several times? As if to say, here's where you find the answers. Go home and search the scriptures to find answers to what we do here. For example, um, well, we're going to do a couple examples. We did a couple, and then we decided, let's do a few more, and then we'll move on. How else, what else do we get out of the temple? So I'm going to actually, i got to put this here so Sabrina can see. Let me pull up a symbol. Let me pull up a symbol. Let's see it. We'll dig a little bit in the scriptures and talk about how do we liken it? How do we liken it? So, Sabrina, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to see, I'll come over here when I flash this up. But let me, oh, look at my cute, oh, she's not even there. I was going to show you my cute granddaughter. Okay. Look, this was, this was her birthday yesterday. She turned six. Such a sweet little girl. All right, let me... Let me point out how many times in the temple you see squares. And if you think about your own covenants, the symbol of the square. Look at how many squares greet you. How about this temple? Just even as you walk into the temple, what, what is kind of thrown in your face? The symbol of the square. You begin to see it everywhere. In the Ochre Mountain Temple, have you ever noticed the tool pools are a perfect square? They're not oblong, they're a perfect square. And the square is everywhere in the temple. And then, allow your mind to dig a little bit and say, okay, the temple presents a square, but that's not what's on me. That's not the symbol that's on me, right? You ever notice that? That is not what's on me. What's on me? What's on me is that. What would it take for this to become that? A second one. I would take me and then I would add another one and become a square. So if this is me, Let's list, as long as we're digging, let's list all the possibilities 
that this one should be. Who is this one? Obviously, what's the obvious one? The, okay, so we've got God. I am going to square myself up. Now, here's the beauty if we, see it, if we start with that one. Is his a right angle? Perfect right angle is mine. No, <laughs> let's be honest, it's not. But what's going to happen if I approach and try to fit a perfect right angle? What's going to happen to this angle as I connect myself to a perfect right angle? What's that going to do? Boom, there it is. So one of the things I see, now the thing about symbolism is it, 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 you see your application. But one of the things I see when I look at this square, if I were to walk into that temple, Sabrina, can you see what we're looking at? If I were to walk into this temple, tell me that, it's zooming in on you. It likes you, Dean. Yeah, it, it was looking at that. Earlier. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do. I'm going to move the camera so you can see. If I were to walk into the temple and see that square, tell me what message the temple is sending me. Come into this building to do what? To bring God into your life and connect with God, so that it does what? It squares up me. The only way I'm going to be a square is if, oh, see, this is the problem. If I, I, I got to remember that it's no longer zooming. How about we do this? I'm going to put this in front of Dion and, and turn the pan back on. Now it will follow me. So do you see that's a beautiful application? The temple is inviting me to approach God, to, to pull God into my life, who is a perfect right angle, so that it will make me a perfect right angle. I love that one. Who else is this? And I, I appreciate that you, that you don't go to this no, number one, but I do. My number one would be my spouse. This is me and this is Jen. And we're trying to form a square. Now, two mortals trying to form a square. We're struggling, right? We're doing our best. But to me, that's a beautiful invitation. It is a beautiful invitation to square with Jen. But here's the thing that caught my attention. I found this only in the LDS temples. I have never, ever seen this shape except in a temple. Oh. Sorry, I gotta, I gotta show you. Now, before that went off, did you see it? Tell me what you saw in the chandelier. If you, I've got to project it because I've got to draw. Oh, I have to turn it on. Sorry. 
think I probably have to stream again. Nope, it's still streaming. Let's see if we have... stop and then let me mirror again. Come on. There we go. Okay, beautiful chandelier, right? Now, let me just point out, this is, I don't remember which temple this is, totally different temple, same shape. Totally different temple, same shape. Different temple, same shape. Do you see the pattern? I began to see in every temple I went to this shape in the chandelier. <clears throat> and so what you may not realize is, let me get Sabrina right on it. Now, follow my finger. And let's see if I can do it. See what that is? There's a square. And then... I saw a new shape. I saw... A square with a square imposed upon it. Now, going back to this imagery, that if I square up with someone who's a perfect right angle, what effect will that have on my angle? But when you've got two mortals, you've got Jen and I who are two mortals, and try as we might, it's never going to be perfectly square, will it? We're trying, we're working. And we're working towards that, but two mortals are never going to be a perfect square unless we impose upon, upon them another square that is perfect. So as I began to ask, okay, if this is Jen and I, what combination of two is helping my wife and I become a perfect square? Name two other marriages that are very significant in terms of the temple that become patterns of how my spouse and I can square up our marriage and our relationship and our lives. Name one, name a couple. Adam and Eve. Okay, so now we have Adam and Eve. Now that's kind of a hypothetical, right? I know they were a real couple and a mortal couple at some point, but now all of a sudden I see in the covenant a pattern. So for example, now we're going to break off and do two mother symbols for a minute, but if I were to find a symbol in Adam and Eve that would help my wife and I square us up. So in other words, why watch Adam and Eve? Because they are a perfect example of her and I, right? And we'll do that in just a minute. Hang on to that thought. But I just want to list a couple other couples. Do you have another couple? You had mentioned on Monday how 
Okay, Christ and uh, I'll do church in general because the temple's part of that. Now all of a sudden, oh my goodness, the images just start flooding and the thoughts start flooding in that as Jennifer and I partner with Christ and his atoning power and the keys and the authorities and the covenants of the church, what will that do? What will the atonement and my covenants do to the two of us? It'll help square us up. Do you see that beauty? And so I understand every time I see that symbol, I understand I am invited to use their marriage, Christ and the church, to make a square out of my marriage, to square up that so that we become more perfect. It's a beautiful imagery of the temple. All right, let's do another one. Let's do the Father and Heavenly Mother. They become a couple that Jen and I are trying to partner with. And boy, that imagery just becomes really powerful. And so, every day-to-day -day life, what happens when you put two people really close together? Unfortunately, what happens when people get really close together? Yep. Yep. And then when that happens, what is the reminder? What, what does this symbol now all of a sudden become? Or every single time I put on the symbol that I wear and think about, oh, you know what? I'm not square right now with her. I'm not square with her. And I invite all of these to help me square this one. Now what I want to do is I want to expand that and take one symbol here and one symbol here to help this one. My spouse and I. Let's do this. No, let's do Adam and Eve first. Now, this one's in the scriptures, so we can really dig into it. Go to third, or Moses chapter 3. Moses chapter 3. Now, if you look at Moses 1, Moses 1 is the creation. I'm going to... No, I'm going to need this. Let me just float my scriptures. If you do Moses chapter 1... Pearl of great price. Sorry, Moses chapter 2 is the story of the creation. So look at the very end of Moses chapter 2. Is Eve there? By the end of Moses 2, would you say that Eve is there? Her name is not called out, but is Eve there? Because day number 6 is, let us, look at verse 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And it was so. And I, God, said, let them have dominion. Verse 27, I, God, created man in mine own image, in the image of mine only begotten created I him, male and female, created I them, and then commanded them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Is Eve there? Of course she's there. He couldn't command them to be multiplying and fruitful if she wasn't there. So Eve has been created. 
What then is Moses chapter 3 and the story of the rib? Go to the very end of Moses chapter 3. This is not a description of the creation as much as it's a commentary. God is commenting on why he created the earth. And he declares in verse 18 a very powerful declaration. What's the declaration? Here is God said truth. It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Let's find a partner. So symbolically, Eve becomes what? What's the symbol of this marriage? What's the symbol of this marriage that I'm trying to superimpose upon my marriage? What's the symbol of Eve in that marriage? A rib. Your spouse is like a rib. Now, dig a little. Ponder. See it. Tell me why a rib. Tell me why a rib. What's the symbolism of a rib? Dion? I remember seeing this thing a while ago, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it said that it's a rib, uh, or having the wife as, or it being a rib is symbolic of three things. It's under the arm, mm -hmm. so it, it's protected. We'll do that one. Uh, it's close to the heart, and there was a Third thing I can't Where is my rib? Think about it. Look at it. Where am I pointing? Oh, yeah, it's at the side. At so my side. So pause. What is Heavenly Father saying? They were commanded to be side by side in all that they did. If God had taken Eve from his foot, where would that have placed his wife? Are there men who placed their wives there? Are there men who symbolically have a wife taken from their foot? And what do they do to their wife? They trample. Now, how square is that? If I trample under my wife, if I treat her like an object, like a toy, I have placed her under my foot. Now, what if God had taken Eve from his skull? Where would that have placed her? Are there women who place themselves above their husbands, who are superior, symbolically, they see themselves as inferior to their, superior to their husband. And they treat their husband like a doormat. God didn't take Eve from his sternum or his back, which would have placed her where? Either in front or behind. Was my spouse intended to go behind? Do I lead my spouse? Do I preside over my spouse and lead her? Not in that. We stand how? Side by side. We stand side by side in everything that we do. If I place her anywhere but my side, I have sinned. And I do not have a square. Because the model... The model that's trying to be put on top of me is side by side. Now the second one. What is my rib? Nearest to my heart. 
If I let anything else closer to my heart, what would Heavenly Father say to me? You're not square. And you have covenanted to be square. You are not square. The two of you are not square. She is nearest to your heart. Let me show you something fascinating. Do you remember when Jesus boiled down the commandments down to two? On Tuesday of his final week, he was asked by a scribe, what's the great and the first law of the commandment? And he was trying to trap him. Can you rank the commandments? And Jesus says, absolutely you can. You can boil them down to two. And one is more important than the other. What was the one? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God at what level? So let me point this out. So I'm supposed to love God at what level? All my heart. And then I'm supposed to love my neighbor at what level? See, that's a different level of love, but it's still a great one. If I thought of my neighbor as often as I thought of myself, what kind of neighbor would I be? If I was concerned about my neighbor's hunger as I am about my hunger, what kind of neighbor would I be? But that's a different level. Right? So love God with all my heart and love my neighbor as myself. Neighbor, neighbor, oh my gosh. Sorry. Love my neighbor as myself. Now, turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants 42. And look at the last sentence of the chapter heading. What does Joseph Smith call section 42? I don't think many members of the church realize that we have this, but what does Joseph call section 42? Embracing the, law. the law of the church. When we were in New York, the Lord said, go to the Ohio because there you'll be endowed with power and I will give you my law. Here is the law of the church. Now, verse 22. Tell me what God does in verse 22. He takes one neighbor. He takes one neighbor and bumps them up to what level of love? Do you see, do you see how significant verse 22 is? The only person... Previous to section 42, that I had been commanded to love with all my heart was God. And now in verse 22, he takes one neighbor and bumps it up to that level. There's two people I am commanded to love with all my heart. Who are they, Ashley? God and my spouse. Do you see the rib? Do you see the command? Okay, let me do one. Ah, we're running out of time. We may not get to the other blessings of the temple, Dion, but we'll get to that on Monday. <laughs> I just can't miss this symbolism. Um, tell me what my ribs do. I want to get to under the arm last, but tell me what my ribs do. My heart is protected by my ribs. By connecting marriage to a rib, what is Heavenly Father saying to me? My greatest duty is to do what? Protect her heart. I think you'll agree with me. No one on this planet loves her more than I do. Not her parents, not her children. 
No one on this planet loves her more than I do. But what comes hand in hand with that? No one on this planet could hurt her as much as I could. Do you agree? That's the vulnerability of marriage. She has placed her heart where? In my hands. And I think what this marriage was told through this symbolism and therefore imposed upon me is that the greatest duty I have is to protect that heart. If I ever use my position to harm her, I break the square in a very serious way and I will be held accountable for it. That's a powerful image that I have to see. That my duty is to protect her heart. Her duty is to protect mine. And that I hold her as a rib cage holds a heart. And I am not going to let anything or anyone harm her. Do you see the symbolism? Beautiful symbolism imposed upon Jen and I to square us up. Thank you, Adam and Eve. So I'm just going to simply say a cage of protection. And then I love the last one. Of all the people I am to shelter and protect, it's her. I am to keep her under my wing. And she, me. It's a partnership here. That I am to shelter her. Um, kind of goes along with some of the other ones, but I love that we pull it out and talk about it. You will have a natural love for your children. But I issue a caution. Don't love them more than you love him or her. If, depending on who is the breadwinner, or maybe you both are, and who, who watches the children, in a traditional family, um, in my family, let me use me, in my family, Jen and I decided I would be the breadwinner. I am away from my family more than she is. And so because of that, I have a tendency to put what under my wing? Because I'm a teacher, what might my temptation be to put under my wing? My students. That's my job, to put my students under my wing. And I want to do that well. But what's the invitation of Adam and Eve? No. It's great to take care of your students, but your highest priority is to take care of her. My wife spends all day taking care of our children. What is her tendency to put under her wing? Vulnerable children that need help, and that's understandable. But what does this marriage, what is this marriage trying to say to mine? No. First and foremost, you put your spouse under your wing. You keep your spouse closest to your heart. You protect that like a cage. And you keep them 
under your, or you keep them at your side. Beautiful symbols. Any other thoughts? I don't mean to rush through that. We could spend an entire class just on that subject. But do you see how the temple is supposed to teach me? He has laid those symbols in front of me to teach me how to be a better husband. To tell us how to get along as a married couple. And he just simply flashes a symbol, the symbol of a rib. But again, how many people don't see it? They don't dig into it. So they can't liken it. Let's do another one. And I'm going to walk very carefully here. I need to hold Jesus' hand. Let's talk about that hand. Let's talk about Jesus' hand. If you wanted to crucify me in such a way that it caused me pain, where would you pound the nail? Tell me where you would pound the nail to hurt me the most. Right in the center of my palm, right? That would cause me the most pain. Have you ever been pierced in the center of your hand? This, this, all the nerve endings would cause a, a massive amount of pain. But what's the problem with piercing me in my hand? What, will you, what do you imagine would be the problem with just a palm piercing? I weigh over 200 pounds. Is a nail through my palm going to hold up a 200-pound man? Not a chance. So if you wanted to make sure I stayed on that cross, if you wanted to ensure that I didn't fall, where would you pound the nail? In my wrist. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 22. Pick, given that symbolism, we've got to see a little symbolism in the Old Testament. Now again, symbolism, or Isaiah and temple, very similar. So here's an actual circumstance that becomes symbolic. King Hezekiah has, is, has a servant named Shebna. Now verse 15 says that Shebna is not a very good servant. He's kind of like the secretary of state or the chief of staff. Now what does the chief of staff for the United States, or the president of the United States, get to decide? He gets to decide who sees the president. Shebna has that position, and he has not been a good steward, so he's being replaced. So verse 15 and 16, get over there, Isaiah, and fire Shebna. In verse 20, you're going to hire a man named Eliakim, who is a faithful man. He is a faithful servant. Verse 21, I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle and I will commit thy government into his hand. Verse 22, the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So in other words, Eliakim has what key? He gets to decide who sees the king. Now that's Hezekiah who sits on David's throne. So Eliakim has the key of David. I get to open up the door and let people in to see the king. I choose who sees the king. Do you see the symbolism? Who is Eliakim a symbol of? Who holds the key of David and gets to decide who gets to go in and see the father? So Eliakim is a symbol of Christ. But Eliakim is trustworthy. You can trust him with that key. And so verse 23. I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. So that what? Verse 24, they can hang upon him all the glory 
of his father's house. Will that glory fall? Now, Christ is a nail in a sure place. And I can trust that he will not fall. So when I grab Christ, when I grab hold of Christ, I am grabbing hold of a nail in a sure place that will never let me down. But if I can say it tenderly, the way I grab him is an invitation to be a nail in a sure place for him. Knowing that he is a nail in a sure place for me is an invitation to be a nail in a sure place for Christ. Can he hang his hopes on you? Are you as reliable as a nail in a sure place? That's the covenant. Do you see that covenant just in that symbol? Now, who's the only other person I grab like that? There's only one other person I grab like that. Besides deity. Who is it? My spouse. So tell me what I'm promising. Tell me what he is doing. That that covenant, the covenant he makes with the church is an invitation to be what for my wife, Jennifer? I have covenanted with her to be a nail in a sure place. She can't see what I'm doing right now, can she? And that might cause her to worry. I want her to hang on me all her hope, her trust. I want to be a nail in a sure place for her. Like Christ is a nail in a sure place for me. And so Christ's marriage to the church becomes a symbol of how to be married to my spouse. Now, going back to what we did on Monday, Dion, the square, I mean the compass. Every time there's a circle, it's because a compass drew a circle. So I wanted to show one more fascinating symbol that I have found in the temple. And I know you may not be able to see these. And Sabrina, it might be hard for you. I'll put this right next to it. But here is a a ceiling altar. And carved into the carpet is either a square, rectangle, I'll, I'll grant some leeway, a square or a circle. There's a square. This one's a square. This one's a circle. Now, let's go with the circle. It's fascinating. I saw that. I saw carved into the carpet around the altar a circle or a square. It just fascinated me. So let's take the circle, okay? If, if when my wife and I were sealed, there was a circle around their altar, which there was, what was my compass pointing to? 
what was the center point that made that circle? The way I am holding my wife's hand on Christ forms what? So it's not the temple that protects me. What protects me? My keeping of that covenant. My marriage will be shielded, circled, protected, shielded, if I am what? A nail in a sure place. If I am not, I break that square. Luckily, I can repent and do better. And she can forgive me. And we can move on. But do you see what I'm trying to accomplish? Do you see what the temple is teaching me if I look and see the symbols? Now, how many people rush right by it and don't pause and see it and dig and liken? Every time I see a square, I remember. Every time I see a circle, what is my wedding ring? I love that my wedding ring is a circle. And what's at the center of that circle? My promise to be a nail in a sure place. Could you be that for a spouse you haven't met yet? Could you be trustworthy and could you be a nail in a sure place for a spouse you haven't even met yet? Yeah, you can. And you must be. I made the covenant in the temple long before I was sealed to her. And so even when I date, even when I come home from my mission, even before then, I, there was a spouse on this earth somewhere, and I didn't know who she was, but I realized that I can be a nail in a sure place. It's easy for me to be a nail in a sure place when I'm with her. But when does she really want me to be that nail? When I'm not. Squares, circles, compasses. Do you see the power in them? So be a nail in a sure place for an eternal companion. Start now to square up your side. And you start by connecting with God. If I can connect my square with his, mine will be square. So that when I connect mine with his or hers, we can impose their marriage on ours and square up our marriage. And so I remember ribs and circles and squares. Every day when I'm not with her, I ask myself, am I being a nail in a sure place for her? And the temple just taught me some powerful truths. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.